0: It is prospect season, baby. Peyton Burdick getting the call. Xavier Edwards already getting the call. Craig Mish teasing out. Uri Perez maybe getting the call. Everyone's getting getting this call right now. The Marlins are going all in on the prospects, and I have the perfect guest for you to dig into it. The OG, the Lockdown Marlins. OG, Aram Layton is in the house today, digging into that. Plus, we're going to look at some potential trade opportunities from across the league for the Marlins to bolster this lineup. All on today's Lockdown Marlins. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked on Marlins. This, of course, is your daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK. If you're listening to the pod, hit subscribe. Of course, it is your team every day. There is a YouTube channel. Head over to there. Hit subscribe. Also, if you are watching, you will see Aram Leighton is in the house. Aram, how we doing, brother? I'm
1: good, man. It's good to be here. I'm really excited to break it down with you now that we're talking about a team that's over 500 for the time being. So, you know, that's always nice. Uh, I I always am very pumped to just be unlocked on Marlins and uh, especially with you with you as the host now, man, it's always a blast.
0: I was about to say, mate, I mean, it's great to be back, right? But not to be hosting and doing five episodes a week, maybe. I don't know, but <laughs> you I, have to I, know, I, mate and I'm, I'm still rolling with it. You know, year and a I half love, in this I,
1: I love that I can hop on and give you like give you an episode because I know how awesome it is to have the guests on and uh, how much easier it can be from time to time to be able to, to bang those episodes out with people that you can just bounce questions off of, have conversation. Cause I don't think people realize it is really hard to podcast by yourself. And that mm-hmm. was like the biggest learning curve for me with locked on Marlins. And once you can do that, I think it makes you a better interviewer. It makes you a a, a better just host in general, but it's a challenge. So it's always fun to have the conversation with somebody else because I thought was the one thing through the dog days of locked on Marlins, I was feeling lonely uh, because you're doing it by yourself. You're talking about, you know, uh, which replacement level player, the 16 different outfielders in one year. And I'm just talking to myself about it. And I'm like, man, is anyone actually listening to me? But you know, I, I see what you're doing here, man. It's so much fun. And uh you're a big reason why I get emotionally invested in the Marlins now too. Um obviously grew up a fan. You can still see the jersey in my closet behind me, but um, I want to see Peter Pratt and Locked On Marlins to the moon with a Let's with a wild card appearance
0: this year, hopefully. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Don't get me started now. This is way too early. I don't even give the, the, the title sponsor of the episode. I better do that before I get too carried away. It's Rocket Money. Stop throwing your money away. <laughs> Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash locked on MLB. Gut feel is we'll hear about those guys later in this episode. Um, Aram, the Marlins, they're in the hunt. They're in the hunt. They're over 500. How about these Marlins early on? I mean, what an April in what was an extremely tough schedule. Like, to come out of that, three games over 500, big win, I thought. I think so, too.
1: You know, there's definitely a lot of areas where this team could get better. Um, And we know that. Uh, There's a lot of fans right now, though. And I think, you know, you kind of have this, like, spotlight effect of your own team highlighting your own team's issues now, now kind of covering and we do the mailbag on the just baseball show. So I really, yeah. that gives me the best pulse of like fan bases. Cause you get all of the Cardinals fans asking the same things, all of the Mariners fans asking the same, And you realize that like 90% of fan bases are in, Fight or flight mode at all times. And I, I'm starting to realize that more and more now. Um, yeah. The Marlins are off to a great start, all things considered. I mean, even Luis Arias has been banged up. That's been their best player. I mean, Garrett Cooper's missed time and has kind of been up mm-hmm. and down. Uh, and talk about the pitching staff. I mean, Johnny Cueto is supposed to be a depth arm for them. He's been out. Trevor Rogers has been out. Sandy hasn't been Sandy, which I don't think you're going to lose sleep over that. I think he's going to be just fine. But to be over five hundred, despite your Cy Young winner not being the Cy Young guy, and you know yeah. some of the pitching depth not totally being there, and the lineup still you know not totally clicking on all cylinders, like Jazz is just getting going now. Mm. You can feel pretty good about where they're headed, and you know hopefully the Marlins and, and the front office are inspired to you know invest a little bit in this team in terms of you know converting prospect capital into you know some more big league talent.
0: I think we're almost approaching that phase, like where you know, the, the major league guys are starting to get banged up. We're in that situation where four or five guys from opening day line up are, are, are out or on their way back. And so, you know, it's like, okay, how can they add some depth here in, at a relative fast pace? Because I guess as they kind of look down into maybe A, there's not tons of like proven guys there that you're really confident yeah. can come up and, and, and do a, a job. Obviously, Xavier Edwards um, just promoted Peyton Burdick also as well. So they're kind of already digging into that. But I guess a tier below, there's not too much. so they may need to kind of really get on the the trade phone. Kim may be working some deals yeah. in May perhaps. so we'll yeah. see. but you know it's uh it's a good start. Um, it could have gone the other way, yeah, uh, for sure. like th- this team could have been a good couple of games under five hundred, like they just the bullpen mate. you got to look at it and just go, what's the major difference from twenty two to twenty three? fundamentally, it's they have a leverage pen and they can yeah. protect the lead. It's the main difference. They've got four closers in there, and they're kind of cycling around. No puck's been immense, but for me, that is the main difference this year around. What about you?
1: A hundred percent. And that was what we actually just talked about the other day on the Just Baseball Show. It was like, oh my god, you got to give Kim credit here because the, the two acquisitions in the eleventh hour of the off season, I think, are the big reason uh, why they are over five hundred. Of course, Luis is You could we could talk about you know, him having a 500 on base percentage all day, but AJ puck to, to, to convert blood into puck, you know, blood a guy that's you know still in A, putting up good numbers, but it you know, probably wouldn't be helping the Marlins right now uh, for a guy in yep. puck. That's been, you mentioned one of the best relievers in, in baseball, a 0.75 ERA five saves and has just been lights out. So mm. I mean, that has literally been the difference. And then you get Oscar Brazoban, like looking like, what he has been so far Uh, and then even the smaller smaller moves I know Matt Barnes isn't the best in the world but I think he's more useful than Richard Blyer may have been and then you know Flora Mm. looks great and uh, Tanner Scott like it's it's a roller coaster but Tanner Scott now is in the role that he should be in more so which is middle inning relief you need to strike out you know there might be a walk but there's a good chance that he can get the swing and miss like this is the role he, he should be in and it's crazy because Tanner Scott was AJ puck last year. So to your point, it shows them how much it shows how much better of a spot they're in bullpen wise. I just hope with the volatility of it all that it can kind of hold up.
0: Yeah, no doubt for me going into the year though, the bullpen was definitely the area that needed serious upgrade. They've made that happen. But the other area, the biggest storyline overall, I would say for this Marlins team was can jazz Chisholm, Jr. Transition to center field. Yeah, there was a few growing pains. It's fair to say, but I must say jazz for me, he's looking nice out there now. There's always going to yeah. be the odd mistake. I saw a Michael Harris misplay a ball the other day as well. Like it can happen in center field. Oh, yeah. I think we're so hypercritical about Jazz, and it's so on the spotlight. Like the spotlight will always shine on him now in center field. But for me, mate, I've been impressed. Baseball savant has got some red on there on the on the balloons yeah. or the bubbles. So, what about you? What's your take on Jazz in center field thus far?
1: I, I've I've seen a guy that I think gets better and better each game, you know, we've, we've seen Mm -hmm. some of those mistakes, but you don't really see him make them again. I feel like he's learned from each of those individual mistakes, maybe laying out for a ball. He shouldn't have laid out for trying to cut one off in the gap that, you know, maybe you can't cut off. And that turns into three bags. Like the game is really fast when you're learning a new position. And also the ball comes at you in a different angle in center field. That takes a little time to get used to. I'll say like, I was a skeptic. I, I, I was a little bit worried about it. I'm like, you're taking an injury prone player and putting him in center field. We just saw the Twins take their injury-prone infielder, throw him into center field last year with Royce Lewis, and he unfortunately tore his ACL very early in the season. So I was a little nervous about that, and this is a guy that like just got it going offensively last year. I'm thinking, oh, man, now you're going to have him distracted with something else, but as we've realized, like he thinks he can do anything, and that's actually a good thing in this circumstance because the mistakes aren't going to pile up on him. He's not going to take that into the batter's box. And through the slow start, both offensively and defensively, we've seen him still continue to be Jazz, and that's why he's good. It's a game of failure. You have to be confident. Jazz has no shortage of that, for better and for worse. So I'd say he's exceeded my expectations in every way defensively, and I think he's starting to get going offensively now, which will be
0: huge for the Marlins. Yeah, me too. That's the key bit now. Now he's settled in defensively. Like and, and that bit is, you know, the mind starts to rest easier as a touch and it's, like, not as draining. Because, like, when he was mic'd up, I don't know if you saw that game live or not yeah. when he was mic'd up, but, um, you know, you, you you soon realize, like, how much is happening there in center field in between pitches. Like, he's he's oh, yeah. got his card out, like, you know, every other pitch. Okay, where am I going? What am I doing? Who I'm talking to, you know, the right fielder, the left fielder. He's also trying to uh, engage with the guys on the, on the Peacock broadcast, which was pretty funny, even more so in the at-bat itself, which was – really hysterical actually but you soon realize the mental toll that center field does take on you when it starts to feel a bit natural more natural anyway all of a sudden you can relax a touch more and then you can start to focus in on your hitting stuff because still hitting is still going to be crazily tough anyway and so yeah <laughs> you know i think that's the key thing for him. now the defense is starting to kind of look after itself a touch um you can get into the offensive side and I'm expecting a big power surge and a big, big everything surge actually with, with Jazz in May, to be honest with you. So, you know, excited for that. And Jazz said, don't panic. He said 16 and 14. It sounds like this whole season scripted. Jazz came out and it said it's going to be 16 and 14 and don't panic. And someone's had to shave their head for it and all sorts. You know, that's <laughs> that's the kind that. of season we're having here in the, at Marlins right now. So, yeah, wild scenes. Um, the prospects are being leaned on already, right? Xavier Edwards called up recently. Um, I must say, it's been a relatively impressive start for him at uh, triple a AAA. obviously with triple a the way that rosters constructed there's about 19 middle infielders i think and so everyone's kind of sprinkled around everywhere and he's taking some time in in the outfield but you know where's where does he kind of fit into the kind of mos- uh, the marlins prospect system and that world and you know do you think there's a major league hitter there in Xavier edwards yeah i think that's a great question and i think he's done a lot this season in the early
1: going to to kind of bolster you know what what i think he needs to do to to prove that he can be a a big league bat which was you know last year there was you look at the zone contact that's one of the number one things i'm going to look at with a guy of his profile Mm -hmm. if you're not going to hit for a lot of power you better put the bat on the ball Mm -hmm. a lot and so far this season he's just been another notch up in terms of putting bat on ball you're seeing it in the strikeout rates but zone contact is up to you ninety-three know, percent, which is elite. So, if he's doing that and putting the ball in play with his speed and now defensive versatility, I think there is a, a utility player here. Yeah, uh, and, and I think that's a great value. Switch hitter plus plus speed in today's game with the with the new rules can steal bags. He's been way more efficient and aggressive on the base paths this year, which was kind of a drawback for him in the past. He's fast, but he wasn't stealing bags that well. Yeah. I, I think he could be that like super utility type. Um, that you plug in and, you know, late game substitution, spot start uh, switch hitter that can do a little bit of everything. And I I just want to see him get consistent reps. I know right now it's kind of just an emergency, have him up there. But I do think, you know, as they have some more clarity like joey wendell might not be back next year Mm -hmm. you know some of the other bench guys might not be back like that could be a nice a nice role for him uh where he helps the marlins out in a lot of different
0: ways yeah i'm with you at the moment there's you know there's what three four utility guys already on the roster with you know birdie the you know the og utility guy garrett hampson's arrived he's birdie 2.0 i mean now you've got birdie 3.0 effectively with xavier edwards Uh, plus jazz is super you know he's he's moving around everywhere Everyone's moving around. That's the thing. I think the Marlins have constructed this kind of contact-heavy, defensive, versatility kind of roster. Um, and it's helping them because as guys go down, everyone's shifting around. And they I'd say that's the one thing with them defensively overall. They've been able to cope. They've been able to cope pretty well, better than I expected. I think everyone was expecting like everyone kicking balls around the infield. And that just hasn't happened, which has been impressive, I must say, thus far. Um, what about you about on that 100- one? 100 a hundred percent. You know, we were we were
1: told that Luis Arias was going to struggle defensively. He's more of a first baseman. He's been great. He's been great. The metrics like him. And, and how about just watching the plays that he's been making? He's been moving great over there. Uh, at shortstop, the Marlins have kind of had to piece together between Hampson, Birdie, you know, whoever else can play there in whatever spot. But those guys have been fine. Segura has been, you know, he hasn't hit, no. but he's been holding his own defensively at third. Um, that's a whole other story in terms of what they're, you know, kind of lacking from a power position right now. But defensively, that's, he's held up his end of the bargain. And then, you know, Jazz, we've talked about what he's done in center. I think the defense has far exceeded expectations, which is great news because I thought that was going to be one of the things I could do them in. Mm. Um, you, you take that any day of the week, and, you know, you just hope that the offense kind of continues to come along here. Uh, especially with Gene and some of the other guys. But you know, I-, I think the versatility is really important too because when you don't have the best lineup in the world, you got to go very matchup dependent. And I think they're already looking at a situation here where they want to get Yuli Gurriel more at-bats. Yeah. Uh, they want to get some other guys more at-bats in certain spots. Uh, you want to ride the hot hand. Like Jesus Sanchez, when he's hot, you definitely want to get him in the lineup. When he's cold, you want to get him the heck out of yeah. there. So uh, you look at Brian De La Cruz, same thing. Like he's as cold as ice right mm. now. Get him out of there. You can move things around and get creative, and um, you know try to get the most out of your guys and, and squeeze every drop out of that you know orange, basically uh, of of what you're trying to get with this lineup. So uh, I I think that helps them a lot, but it does put a lot of pressure on Skip. But Skip seems to be pushing a lot of the right buttons so far.
0: No doubt, that's been the phrase that's been attached to uh, Skip Schumacher thus far is like just seems to be pressing the right buttons, all the right buttons. But I love to hear. I mean, first time manager, so much pressure on Skip, so many decisions going on there's a lot of guys in, you know, around him that, you know, experienced guys with like Mel and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, but still yeah. the heat will be on skip and he is handling it really well. The culture he's creating looks to be firing. Um, clearly yeah. the team's winning more than it's losing, which does help. But, um, I want to talk to you about Peyton Burdick, um, and Uri Perez, uh, after the first ad, um, but we'll dig into our first ad. It's our good friends over at better help. This, this episode is brought to you by better help, not better health, better help, by the way. Um, and, uh, yeah, for those of you, if you've benefited from therapy, um, or you're thinking about therapy, then listen, better help is the place to start. To be honest with you, you've got to give them these guys a try. It's, in, it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Perfect. Um, all you have to do to get, get yourself started, you've got to fill out a brief questionnaire that'll get you matched with a licensed therapist. Um, if you need to, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Don't worry about that. We'll trying to find the match for you guys, but you can find more balance uh, with better help. All you have to do, it's pretty simple. And here's the here's the offer: betterhelp.com slash lockdown mlb to get started with 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash locked mlb. Oh, and if uh if people keep dropping out of this Marlins lineup, I'm going to need some therapy soon, to tell you. So <laughs> I might be tuning in to better help as it is. But Peyton Burdick's up, mate. We did see a brief stint with him uh, at the major league level last year. What we also saw as well was a really encouraging spring. I think there was really... The Marlins had no flexibility with their roster construction, particularly in the outfield. So irrespective, of really, what Peyton Burdick did in spring, it was always going to be Triple A for him, was my opinion.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think that's what we saw. But... Abby, uh, Abby's on the, the IL now. There's a few other guys starting to go down. Burdick's up, and he's been hot if you look at the home run numbers, let's say, yeah. but there's still a couple of maybe hidden flaws there, I'd say, with Burdick. What's what's your take on what what, what we've seen in 2023 thus far at AAA?
1: Yeah, so, you know, I think it's, it's Burdick leaning into the strength even more, uh, and, you know, you know what is kind of coming at expense of that, which is, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit more swing and miss. He's been striking out quite a bit but he's also been hitting the absolute crap out of the baseball and i've I've enjoyed kind of going back and watching a lot of his a b so far mm-hmm. and as I'm finishing up the the Marlins farm system rankings which should be out by the time people are listening to this um, as I'm almost done with it but um I was trying to kind of get to the bottom of of what I see Burdick being and you know the thing that that's interesting to me is you know we, we've seen the struggles of avi Garcia and I felt like there's almost no way that Burdick could be worse, especially with the ability to play all three outfield spots. Yeah. You know, he can get by in center if you want to get jazz off his feet for a day. Um, and and also Burdick. Yeah, he's going to swing and miss. Righties have given him problems. And specifically, it's velocity. Mm-hmm. You know, He gets a little bit long to the ball and, and it can kind of get hard on him inside. He gets tied up pretty easily. But as a result, he actually crushes lefties. So I see a really good role for him, and I don't know if they're going to be able to kind of mix and match this way and, and set him up this way. I think as as he's up, he might end up just playing a lot if he but. I love I love the idea of him being a a kind of lefty masher platoon guy that can play all three outfield spots. Kind of your fourth outfielder that ends up taking on more responsibility than that. Hit an 850 OPS against left-handed pitching between the big leagues and the minors last year. Yeah. Uh, whiff rates were way down, sub 30 percent strikeout rate, and it's been that way for a lot of his career. So I think he could be that lefty masher that plays all three outfield spots, gives you some good speed and. Uh, and walks a little bit. And I think that's a pretty good profile., uh, all things considered. We're talking about a twenty six year old in triple A, yeah,
0: for sure. i I, I think that's you know that's the role. That seems to be the obvious role for him anyway, is that kind of you know, lefty, um you know when the lefty's going, and the Marlins have have struggled with lefties for some time oh. for years, it feels like. And so, yeah, having some kind of power threat, I'd say when there's a lefty going, it's going to be, you know, it's an interesting option. It's interesting to see what what opportunity the Marlins give him. Um, flicking over to the, the pitch inside and the rotation. It's fair to say the rotation has been hampered thus far. Johnny Quato's just had one inning of work thus far. Trevor Rogers, uh, the outlook doesn't look amazing for Trevor. Either. You know, it's a couple of weeks out already and there's no throwing happening. We're talking probably like a couple of months out overall, once all said and done with Trevor Rogers. So the Marlins are trying to hang tough with, you know, your Brian Hoings and smelters dropped in there and whatever, but, and, and I guess, you know, Braxton Garrett has really stepped up, obviously started the year in the pen, but you know, and this is where Craig's starting to tease it out is, you know, is it now getting to a point where Uri Perez is going to be given an opportunity here? Um, what the interesting bit here is is, is Uri's in double in A. And I think you know, seeing you talk about this, they've changed the ball in double A oh, yeah. significantly. I didn't even realize that until I, I started seeing that narrative around. I was like, Oh wow, they've actually completely changed the ball. Um, let's start with that, that ball itself. Yeah. And then we'll get into really Perez specifically, but what's actually going on in double A with this uh with this ball this year? Oh, I'm so
1: angry about it. I'm I've been going <laughs> scorched earth about it. it, yeah, you know, I it it's 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 something I've got several, a handful of, of players in the Southern League from all different organizations that have reached out to me on Twitter and said, Hey, thank you. This is an absolute like insane situation that we have to deal with basically all of these guys, uh, all of these pitchers are, are able to get now an insane amount of spin on their fastball, uh, which is, you know, it's all about that ride, right? You look at Spencer Strider. What makes him so good is that 23 inches or 22 inches of induced vertical break, which means the ball just taken off out of his hand. They have these pre tacked baseballs that they're testing out for the first half of the season. They're all sticky. Um, It's a really weird feel to it. And the ball is just flying out of their hands for these pitchers. And they're also able to get way more break on their breaking balls and more movement on their changeups. ups bigger part of that too is actually the ball is also not flying because of the way, like the aerodynamics of it. A lot of guys have told me that when they're hitting it, they're hitting balls that they know would get out usually. And they're yeah. just dying. If you don't oh, backspin wow. it and it, it, it does just, just not get out. So it, it was really interesting from that perspective. Um, you know, still, you've got somebody like Andrew Abbott of the Reds who, had the three-inch, uh, you know, the three-inch bump in his induced vertical break was striking out everybody. He went to AAA. The stuff kind of ticked down a little bit, but he still struck out everybody. So good pitchers are still good pitchers. But okay. I think it's like that middle ground has has been elevated, and maybe the subpar pitchers are now like at least average, and it makes it a lot harder for these guys. For Yuri, it's specifically interesting because I think the number one gain that we've seen with this stickier, you know, fat stickier baseball is the fastball and the life on the fastball. And if I had one thing to highlight with Yuri, it's that the fastball can flatten out at times. Mm-hmm. It's really high velocity, but it flattens out. Sometimes we saw that in spring training. it got knocked he around a little bit yeah. if he doesn't locate it. And, if, and in the minor leagues, the only time that he really gets hit is when hitters cheat for the fastball, and hope that they can hit it out because everything else is nasty. No one's really hitting the yep. changeup when he locates it. The breaking ball is gross. Like, the stuff is unbelievable. The fastball is like the scouting report for opponents is try to ambush that fastball. So now I want to see how that fastball looks when it's not this pre tacked baseball. That's mm-hmm. really it. That's my only concern with Yuri. But that said, even if the fastball is iffy, he could probably help the Marlins at the big league level right now.
0: Let's go. Is he ready? That's the key question with, with Yuri Perez. Is he ready?
1: I think he's ready to compete. I don't think he's ready to be the major league version of Yuri Perez. Yeah. If that makes sense. So yeah, does. if he gets caught up and, and, you know, he has a low for his ERA, you might take that right now. And it's valuable, you know, it's valuable experience for him. He'll show flashes of more, but, you know, it, it, that's not Yuri Perez. And that's not what Yuri Perez is going to be at his peak. He could be a frontline guy. I don't think he is ready to be that frontline guy, but maybe, you know, you, these guys have a finite amount of bullets. Do you want to waste them on? He's on a, probably an innings limit this year. Yeah. So if you feel like he can help you at the big league level, why not continue that development there under the tutelage of Mel Stoudemire, you know, Sandy Alcantara, who, you know, I was also still kind of figuring out his own things right now, but, mm. you know, like just, just being around those guys, I think would be beneficial to him. Why not have that development happen at the big league level? if, you know, having tough starts here and there don't doesn't stifle his development. From everything I've heard and seen about Yuri, I don't think he gets down on himself very much. I think he can handle big league adversity. And if the Marlins feel like he helps them more than, you know, Devin Smeltzer, which I can agree with, uh, it might be worth having him learn a little bit more at the big league level and, and continue his development
0: there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really intrigued to see what they do. Obviously, I think it kind of, you know, does link into Johnny Cueto and his return. Like, it feels like he's on his way back. So... We'll see, but yeah, to your point, like he's got a certain amount of bullets. You know, why not get get him into this rotation right now while the Marlins are like literally in the hunt? And listen, yeah. if things tail away and whatever, you can shut him down in in August if you need if needs be. So, you know, let's see those yeah. bullets at the big leagues rather than Devin Smelter's bullets. I I I've, <laughs> I have a feeling that Urie's will be will play. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, let's do the final ad and then let's talk about some wider league stuff, some trade opportunities perhaps for the Marlins. So maybe a couple of names that you've got in mind thinking they could be available from clubs that could be selling um, and could fit the profile for what the Marlins are looking for this year to help them. Uh, before we do that, though, uh, this episode, and it's our sponsor as well, it's Rocket Money. Um, guys, listen. It's a personal finance app. Start you know, First and foremost, a personal finance app, and it lets you cancel any unwanted subscriptions. Sounds amazing, right? It monitors your spending and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forget about. And chances are you're one of them. Like the Stars app just to watch one show or probably that Peacock app for that Marlins game recently um, or the free gaming trial that you never actually used. Rocket Money will quickly and easily find your subscriptions for you. Uh, And any that you don't want to pay for anymore, just hit the cancel button and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. It's that easy. Sounds amazing. Rocket Money also helps you to manage all your finances in one place and automatically categorize your expenses sounds good for me for wine, Um, so you can easily track your budget in real time and also get alerted if anything looks off. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving an average, listen to this now, saving an average of up to 720 bucks a year. Unbelievable. Stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash LockedOnMLB. Reminder on that, it's rocketmoney.com slash LockedOnMLB. Sounds amazing. I can see everyone's gonna be hitting that peacock uh, cancellation immediately after that. Hope peacock hope, hope peacock won't be advertising on there locked on I'm, soon.
1: I'm a serial offender of the um of of the too many subscriptions and just lose count, lose track of all Same. of it. That's why just baseball is like I'm not putting anything behind a paywall. I, I'm trying to break the trend yeah. here, but no, I, I, that's something.
0: I, I I've got to work on that. I, I might have to sign up for that myself. There you go. There you go. Rocket money. It is um, speaking of that rocket trades, rocket trades, perhaps for the <laughs> Marlins. Um, it's fair to say the offense hasn't quite clicked. I think the majority of people are thinking, you know, how, how can they maybe bolster this lineup, particularly if a few guys are dinged up um, in your head, just more general, like there's some obvious sellers that we know about in terms of teams, Are there any other teams beyond the real obvious tankers right now that you think are likely to be selling as we kind of get into like late May, June, and obviously towards the deadline that that weren't expected, perhaps?
1: Yeah, so it's pretty interesting because I think with the expanded playoffs, Mm. you, you have a little bit more of this like hesitancy from teams to sell. I think, you know, obviously the White Sox really struggling has made it clear that that was a team that maybe wasn't going to be viewed as a seller by a lot and, and by a lot of yeah. people and, and very clearly is going to be a seller i think the san francisco giants uh, that was a team that you know i didn't really love going into this year but they always get a nice little bump in terms of expectations because they maximize what they've got it's really hard to maximize what they've got right <laughs> now yeah. uh, but they they do have some assets and and i think you know this is a smart organization that knows where they're at uh, a lot of their best players are vets i think they realize that you know they have a lot of money to spend, mm-hmm. but they should probably cash in some of these, you know, impending free agents and things like that and, you know, m- maybe make some moves. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see the Giants, you know, really changing the trade market with a Mike Yaskramski, maybe a Michael Conforto, who if, if he hits yeah. well, you know, will, will kind of put his way into an opt out situation, maybe even a Lamont Wade um, and of course, Jock Peterson. So like that's a team that definitely has a lot of options that I think maybe a lot of people weren't expecting to be sellers. That that could be a seller this year.
0: Yeah. To, I mean, talk about a lot of outfield options there coming out of the Giants. Like there could be multiple outfielders there moving. I mean, I, I do feel like the Marlins probably do need like an outfield stick. I think just the fact that like the Abbey situation has has been what it's been. The streakiness of uh, Jesus Sanchez and Dela Cruz, and obviously, you know, you need a, a jazz backup plan as well, perhaps as well. So I do feel like that's probably one area of need. I do think you know, shortstop as well could be interesting as well. Like, I'm not completely sure what the future holds for the Marlins at shortstop. And obviously at first base too, we've got Coop expiring deal, Guriel's, I guess, on a one-year deal. So, you know, there's a few spots that it doesn't just have to be for now. It doesn't have to be rentals, I would say. But, you know, where's your head at in terms of like position of need? I know like rental sticks can kind of come in, but if they're looking for, you know, let's say a Marte type guy that's maybe got multiple years and you think, actually, do you know what? We're willing to give up a touch more because we get him next year and maybe the year after um what kind of positions do you think the marlins could be targeting there for uh, those kind of guys
1: yeah you know i think the the left-handed bat in the outfield is is one that we keep hearing about it's something that you know is has been very clear to to be of need and we we know that they've had the struggles against lefties in the past but you know this year it's actually been a little bit of 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 struggles against some good righties Mm -hmm. because you you just don't really have that lefty bat that you can count on and Um, You know, the less sexy option, but I think could be a really good mix and match guy for the Marlins at at a pretty attainable price and also a team that they have some trade history with uh, is Seth Brown of the Oakland A's. I I really like what Brown brings to the table. We were just talking about positional versatility. Brown can play center. He can play both corners. He can play first. So this is somebody that you can really move all over the diamond. Uh, And though he's 30 years old. Um, he's pretty quick and he also has several years of control. So I, I think he could be attainable for relatively cheap. He's on the shelf right now. He should be back very, very soon, uh, with a semi minor injury. But, um, this is a dude that can't, one of the worst splits guys I've seen, like, you don't want to play him against lefties, but that's yeah. fine. Like we are just talking about, Pey- this is a perfect spot for Peyton Burdick, like face the lefties. You, you got somebody like Seth Brown, who, you know, the numbers overall don't look great because Oakland isn't good and plays him every day, but a yeah. good team plays, plays him just against righties. He probably has an eight something OPS. So that's a guy that I think you could quote unquote buy low on and, mm. and would help you immediately. Um, obviously, there's like the much sexier additions. Like uh, I would love to see them put the chips forward, like, like push it all forward and say Max Meyer, Jake Eater, whoever else you go. Tim Anderson. You know, how, how, do you, how do you feel about playing shortstop for the Marlins? You oh know, boy. he has a year of control, of course, after this year. Yep. They could leverage that. Uh, but, you know, that's obviously not the, a Marlins move. Uh, but if they smell some blood in the water, you never know. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's more likely that they go like that Seth Brown route and, or I think one of those outfield bats. I like Mike Skramski a lot still. Mm, I yeah, know he's dealt with too. some injuries. He's been up and down. But another guy that can play, you know, all the outfield spots, another left-handed bat. Um, and, and just a guy that's kind of been there for a little while, bring some veteran leadership, uh, and and just can swing it. Like they just need left-handed bats that can swing it. I would love you, I would love Jock Peterson. I think either of those guys would be great options for the Marlins.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, Every time I see Yaz against the Marlins, he's always hitting against the Marlins too. So I think that's kind of stuck in my mind. This is a great shout on that one. Um, I think it's going to be a really intriguing month. I think for the Marlins now, as they kind of get out of this real tough on paper schedule into what looks to be a little bit more appealing and it's the question then is can this team translate its early success into you know may success against teams that perhaps it should be beating it's going to be interesting to see yeah. if the offense can do it in those games and, and the bullpen too i think that's really intriguing but if the marlins have a good may you know they're going to come into june multiple games above 500 and yeah. we haven't said that for a while <laughs> and so you know kim's going to have every opportunity to add to this roster i think and you know we'll be given you know not Full carte Blanche, but you know it's there'll be there'll be a lot of discussions around that about how they can bolster this this offense, and you know maybe the rotation may need to be done. I still do think there's this Cardinals Marlins hookup. I do think that one continues to make sense. Um, the Marlins are kind of a bit dinged up with the pitching now anyway, which kind of it makes it a bit tricky at this point. But perhaps later in the year, I could definitely see something going on there. The Cardinals have got millions of outfielders that all look amazing, and so you know I do think that is an interesting match. Obviously, they try to do something. I think in the offseason, it was, you know, the, the Pablo Lopez deal was kind of brewing there with the Cardinals. So we'll wait and see. And the Cardinals will be in London. So we'll get them up close and personal as well, which should be fun. Um, yeah, they've got a couple of
1: guys, too, that I think that could be great fits for the Marlins and, and help them. But, you know, it's especially if the Cardinals keep losing, they might not care as much about big league ready no. uh, pitching talent and, you know, maybe a Max Meyer who is big league ready, but obviously on the shelf or a Dax Fulton yep. could be of a little bit more interest to
0: them. Yeah. I think that's the really interesting part, isn't it? If, if a card, like a Cardinals type club that starts to if really fall away and think, you know what, actually we're happy to move for a prospect arm, um, you know, big league ready kind of guy that can help us in, in 24. Then that really does kind of open things up for the Marlins. Cause it's, that's, that's a tricky thing is like trying to find the right matches. I think with these trades and um, you know, with these teams and the Cardinals, they're always in it. It feels like they're always in it. And so, you know, they're not often big sellers. And so this could be an interesting no. year for them. We'll see. The White Sox, who knows? I feel like that one's in a different situation. But we are way long, um, which is to be expected, uh, you know, with us two getting back together and reminiscing about Lockdown Marlins hosting duties, of course. Aaron. Um, let everyone know what you're up to these days as well. And what I must say as well, congrats to you, mate. I'm, I Something blew me away the other day, the fact that you've got Walker Bueller in the house yeah. hosting – a pod I was like oh my days just baseball is absolutely en fuego right now so please do let everyone know what you're up to in case they've missed it which I'm sure they haven't
1: oh thank you so much man yeah we're really we're really lucky to have Walker involved so the just baseball show daily baseball podcast Walker will be on every Monday to give updates on his rehab and just talk shop and talk about everything so that that we're really excited about what that brings to the just baseball show and then Marlon's top prospects Should be out by now, by the time you're listening to this, over at JustBaseball.com, so go take a look at that. Uh, And then, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at ArmLayton8, and of course, just just keep listening to Locked On Marlins, man. It's so fun to watch. I, I know you hit the big episode milestone the other day, like... Keep going, keep trucking, and if this team's succeeding, man,
0: I want to see this podcast go to the moon, man. Keep doing you. You know it, brother. You know it. All right, guys. Well, thanks for making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day, and thanks to Aram Layton, the OG, back in the house uh, today. Uh, Good news, guys. There'll be another episode tomorrow, of course. Uh, We haven't even spoken about anything to do with the Marlins playing the Braves, but it doesn't matter. The Marlins are going to continue rolling uh, and hopefully look to pick up a series win against the Bravos. We'll wait to see on that one. But uh, for Friday's episode, Kenny takes were made is in the house should be absolutely wild as it always is when uh, takes were made is in the house. So we'll look forward to that one. I'll see you tomorrow.